Welcome to Bound by Books. I'm Marianne Morea, and I write paranormal romance and paranormal romantic suspense and all things that go bump in the night. And today I am joined by Sherry Hayes. Hi, Sherry. Hey, Marianne. Tell everybody about you. (laughs) I'm Sherry Hayes, and I write steamy contemporary romance and BDSM erotic romance. So I push the sexy scale when it comes to romance so steam is the name of the game of me certainly do (laughs) (laughs) anyway today today we are talking about writer expectations versus reality and I, i think if you if you don't really know what we mean by that it i i think from my own personal um explanation or take on that it could be setting a specific word count that you have to hit Mm. every day or um saying oh i'm going to write for two years and then you know hit a list you know Mm -hmm. or you know i'm going to be making x amount of money by x amount of time you know there's your expectation and then there's reality so see when i think about re- like writer expectation versus reality i think that the first thing that comes to my mind is it's basically the same thing you kind of get in the general public which i think is something that a lot of uh aspiring writers kind of it, it falls in fall into that category once you're actually in before you're actually in it and realize that that's not how it is but you see all the big name authors you see the stephen kings and the jk rowlings and the you know stephanie myers and stuff like that and you see them you know selling millions of copies of their books and getting you know movie deals and all this kind of stuff and it kind of in your mind you're like oh that's you know that's being an author. That's what being an author is. That's that's the expectation. And um, what they don't explain to you or what they don't tell you and what the general public doesn't seem to understand as a whole, because I've been asked a million times if somebody's heard of me or if many of my books have been made in movies and I, all that kind of stuff, is that a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of authors yes end up in that category yeah they are Um, the the less than one percent yeah now i do think that that is expanding a little bit with places like passion flicks and netflix um and that are actually taking on some more you know if you if you do make kind of a big if you do make a decent splash in the book world they're a little more willing to look at you because they're realizing that, hey, it's a lot easier to write a screenplay from something when we already have this idea that's already kind of been fleshed out versus, you know, coming up with something on their own because I don't know about you, but Hollywood has not come up with a lot of original ideas as of late. No, there's an awful (laughs) lot of reboots going on of things that were especially, you know, because of our age demographic now, you know, we're the ones that are the older, older Gen X and, um, well, not older Gen X, but Gen X and even the older millennials that we're the ones who have fond memories of movies that came out when we were younger. Mm -hmm. So we're, and we're also the demographic that has 
cash to burn, you know, the disposable and, income. Yes. Yep. So, you know, they'll, you know, they can play into that nostalgia, you know, of mm-hmm. rebooting. I heard, you know, I heard they were going to, um, they were going to reboot Practical Magic and I cringed, mm. I cringed. So anyway, yeah, but, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think it's, it's also like, I remember I had gone to Book Expo America at the Javits Center in New York City. Mm. I guess it must have been in 2014 or, or, or around, around that time, give or take a year. I can't remember. And um, they had uh, uh, Charlene Harris speak. Oh, yeah. And uh, she she for those of you who don't, may not be familiar with her, she wrote uh, the Carpathians and uh, the Drake. Um, uh, uh, not not the Carpathians. That's 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 Christine Feehan. Hello. Um, she wrote True Blood. Charlene Harris. Sookie Stackhouse, Southern Vampire Series. So, (laughs) and she said that, you know, she had had so many people turn her down for 20 years, had so many publishers and agents turn her down. And then when she finally had one that hit, which was the Sookie Stackhouse, Southern Vampire Series, and then Alan Ball approached her to make True Blood out of it on Netflix, um, she says, you don't turn it down. And I remember distinctly, she said to all the publishers out there who turned me down, neener, 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 because <laughs> at that point, you know, True Blood was humongous on, you know, it was a huge, huge, huge hit. So, yeah. and then they had, um, Diane Keaton come up and she had, uh, put out a book that was dedicated to her mom and it was because her mother had was suffering from Alzheimer's so badly and it was just a memoir. And I, and I thought to myself, they're publishing her memoir and there's so many here uh, people here in this audience who are talented writers who can't even get the foot in the door, you know, in terms of what the expectation is, but because she's Diane Keaton, whether or not she Mm -hmm. was able to actually put pen to paper and form, you know, words, you know, in sentences and paragraphs and flow and everything that we that we talk about when it comes to writing, you know, her book was published because it's a built in audience. So, right. you know, this people is people who you know, read her no matter what, just because she is, is who she is. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, th- this is I think what we're talking about is the is the expectation of being able to make a quick buck really fast mm. and or be in the trenches. And I think for most of us, it's like a um, it's like a roller coaster. You know, you have years where your sales are up and then you have years where your sales are down. Um, there's market fluctuations that go on. There's mm-hmm. recessions that hit. We had a pandemic. And I don't know where, where a lot of a lot of industries really suffered in the pandemic. Authors did very well. I know I did very well during the pandemic. My book sales skyrocketed because people were home. home they were stuck at home and so people who even if they yeah. weren't what we referred to as whale readers or career readers where who devour a book a day you know or sometimes more you know uh, on a regular basis when you're home and you're not doing anything um it uh you know it, it, it woke the people up who were like well maybe i'll sit down and i'll t- i'll try this book and and then they just became voracious readers now I know myself and a lot of other authors made a lot of our first in series free. Um, mm-hmm. And we made a lot of other books. Like we, we dropped the prices down because people weren't working, you know, and a lot of people weren't getting paid. So we're trying to make um, entertainment available 
but it really paid off for me over the course of the you know the pandemic years because it mm. you know it it gave me a little bit of a surplus because then everything kind of went you know dot da, da, you mm. know just kind of flatlined after that for a little bit so you know i i think it's a matter of of trying to um keep your expectations realistic and mm. and not and not have pie in the sky what do you think yeah, I mean, in my view, being an author for the most part is a long game. And the reason I say that is because most of your costs to being an author, especially an indie author, are upfront costs. So, you know, you have to pay your editor, you have to pay your um, cover designer, you may have to pay a formatter if you're not formatting yourself, all those initial expenses um and even if you are putting in marketing type things um like a big marketing push to a new release but after that i mean it kind of coasts a little while you do have to put some marketing dollars in it here and there and every you know strategically hopefully you're strategic about it but it is a long game because if you can keep those numbers steady you don't have to have what a lot of people, a lot of authors kind of don't think about is that in order to hit a list, you have to have a lot of sales in a very short period of time. In fact, you have to have those all those sales in one week. And that's great. It means you have a lot of, hopefully, have a lot of automatic one clickers that are willing to buy your book as soon as it hits the shelves. But that does not mean that you cannot be successful as an author if you do not have 6,000, 10,000 people buying your book the first week that it's out. I have a book series that has been out for close to 12 years now, and it still sells very, very well. Yet it has never made a list. And I have sold close to 20,000 copies of that, of that series. But it has never hit a list because that those 20,000 sales have been over the course of the last 12 years. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember um, meeting at RT. I met uh, Kate Douglas and she writes romance and she's been mm -hmm. around for a very, very, very long time. And she has sold, I, I, we're talking, you know, probably uh, hundreds of thousands of books mm -hmm. over the course oh, of her yeah. career. And she has never hit a list, but yet she's yeah. a headliner and she's a, she's, she's a, she's an A-list in terms of, of books. So hitting a list while it's, while it becomes a, uh, a the personal symbol right well it becomes a personal benchmark for for some people i mean i mm -hmm. haven't hit i haven't hit a list i've hit amazon bestseller i've hit amazon bestseller in the u.s i've hit I've, I've hit it in australia i've hit it in canada you know so i've got that international flair but i haven't i haven't had that red badge in a, in a in a couple of years because i haven't been running ads and this is something that i wanted to speak to to what you just said mm -hmm. is that the marketing that you put into your books has to be consistent it, you have mm -hmm. to continue to do it. You can't just do it for a couple of weeks or, or a couple of months and then say, ah, screw it. It's not working for me and then give up. You have to be very mm -hmm. diligent and, and actually pay attention to it almost on a daily basis to track 
what's happening. And we were talking about this in when we were when we had our, our podcast, you know, group meeting yesterday, in that it's a lot of babysitting that you have to do when it comes to to doing your, you know, watching your your ads and your ad spend and your click, you know, the cost per clicks and your impressions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if something goes above a certain amount, you know, to, to, to pause it and tweak mm-hmm. it. And, you know, and the same thing, like you could have one campaign where then you have as, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 ads under that one campaign. And you have to, you have to watch them. You don't have to do that many. I'm not saying you have to do that many. Anybody who tells you you have to do something, ignore them, you know, no, but this is a lot of people, they test that way to see which ads are going to work. And then the ones that really get traction, they either, they turn them off the other ones that are not so that they're not spending good money after bad. So, Mm -hmm. but it's, but it's not something that's kind of like a flash in the pan. Those things are very far and few between, you know, mm-hmm. you know, going back to my book Expo America um, analogy and, you know, my experience there, I sat in on a blogger uh, a, a panel and mm-hmm. there were all these bloggers around and, you know, some of them were like, I have the power to make or break an author. I have the power. And, you know, they were standing up and had that attitude and they were really getting on everybody's nerves by having that attitude. So somebody, mm-hmm. at, you know, in the, on the panel basically said, if writers stop sending you stuff, you don't have anything to write about. It's a symbiotic relationship. So you should respect them if you want them to respect you. And I was so glad yes. somebody said that because it was almost like I, I was getting the, the 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 feeling that it was like the blo- certain bloggers were just they were elitist. And I, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, they're they're failed writers, so this is what they want to do now. But that you know, that's not everybody. But you know, I'm just saying that was like kind of like the thing, like those who can't do teach, you know, those who t- mm-hmm. can't teach critique, you know, that that old saying. Anyway, but then the 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 example that was used to get back to what was my first point that I was making is that. Um, they had that food writer, Julie Bowen, who just passed away. And she wrote, uh, she had done all of those um, Julia Child recipes. She went through the whole mastering the French art of cooking, you know, uh, cookbook. And she did like 500 some odd recipes in one year. And she did a blog about it. And it somebody wrote about her in the New York Times. And then boom, she, you know, she had a book deal and they made a movie Mm -hmm. out of it and so forth. And the gal that was up there said, you are not going to be Julie Bowman. That is a uh, lightning strike. So Mm -hmm. pace yourself to be able to be in the long game, like you said. Yeah. And I mean, making kind of making it big is 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 kind of a shot in the pan in a lot of respects. Now, there are there are people who are just really, really, really good at marketing mm-hmm. and they they're willing to throw money against, you know, against the wall and see what sticks. And they have enough money to be able to do that. Correct. Case in points. Um, and I don't think I'm going to like out her by saying this because she's pretty open about her marketing spend. Melissa Storm is a perfect example. If you're not familiar with Melissa Storm, she writes um, cozy mysteries and um, sweet contemporary fiction um, along along those uh, long along those lines. Um, but she wanted to make a New York Times the New York Times bestseller list. That was our yeah, 
No, not the New York Times. I'm sorry. I think it was no, maybe New York Times. New York anyway, Times, not yeah. important. She wanted to make a list, and she actually spent. She didn't make the list, by the way, but in order to do that, she spent twenty thousand dollars on marketing within the first month of her book being out in order to make that list. Can every author do that? No. no. And it's more they, of a, and it's it's more the norm than the not to not be able to have that kind of money to spend. Let's right. face it. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Now, she is her her background is in marketing. She's also been publishing for a very long time. She is someone I would consider an expert at Facebook ads um and book book at book bub ads uh amazon ads are probably her weakest area as far as that goes but she still does fairly well at them but she is what i would consider more of an ad guru so she had the knowledge Mm -hmm. the experience Mm -hmm. and the confidence that she could with she could invest that twenty thousand dollars in herself and be able to get that return on investment. And she's done that. She, she that was that was probably a good 5 years ago when she did that and she makes very good money to this day. And um well she was so also lucky she, that she knew exactly where to put those $20,000. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. She is she is what I would consider an expert. In you know, she has the marketing background. She knows the ads. You know, she's she understands the platforms and how they work. And she's tested. She did a lot of testing before she ever did her ad her her list run. So she is an anomaly, like you said. She is an anomaly. But again, we're talking. I guess that goes back to expectation versus reality because. People see, oh my goodness, she did all this, you know, she made this list and she was, she was just determined to do it and she did. And they don't look at the little details and the fact that, yeah, she did, but she had to spend $20,000 in marketing in order to do that. And if you don't have $20,000 to put into that and you don't have the knowledge and experience that she does in order to target those ads and know when to when to put them and where to put them and all of that then you could be just chase i mean then then those expectations are not realistic well i think anybody who's going to be who's going to uh, begin on this career path that you and i have been on for a decade um Mm -hmm. we've all had our ups and downs like i said you know depending on on your the amount of time you're going to put in babysitting your ads and babysitting the market and babysitting, you know, uh, being out there on social media with your readers and and keeping everything fresh and interesting and new. Um, if that you don't put the time in to do that, then your ads are not going to pay off from you. And sometimes even if you do put the time in, they're not going to pay off for you. You know, and that's where you mm-hmm. may have to have somebody come in and you might have to bite the bullet and pay somebody a couple hundred dollars or four or maybe even five hundred dollars to take a look at what you've got, your product. Because if you're doing everything else right, then maybe it comes down to the product, you know, whether or not your your um Amazon page, you know, your author page is the way it's supposed to be, or your blurb is, you know, uh, 
telling the reader what the expectation of the book is supposed to be your cover you know these are things that you and I have discussed and the other gals mm-hmm. in our group have discussed and so forth because it's like a dance you know everything kind of everything moves together well if you have all the pieces in place mm-hmm. so once you get all those pieces in place and then you start your your ad build and you you start off with a small ad spend and you grow from there you can mm-hmm. make a halfway decent I don't want to say living because I don't want to, I don't want to put that expectation. Return on investment. Yes. A return, a return on investment. You know, you can actually, you know, if you're going to spend $250 on, on ads by doing a bunch of ads at $5 a day, you know, or $500 a month on, you know, by doing you know, even more ads to, to do AB testing, to test and see which ones are working and turn some on, turn some off, Mm -hmm. tweak here, tweak there. You could probably double that money. You know, and that's not an unrealistic expectation, no. doubling that money. And if, and no. if it catches on, uh, you know, and you can, you put even, you know, you, you scale up then the ones that are working, you could then go from a thousand, you know, if you start with say $500 and you make a thousand, you could then bring it up to 1500 or 2000. So it's not unusual to be able to do that. It's the being able to make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in a month or $50,000 mm-hmm. in a month that that's like a lightning strike. That is like a lightning strike. Yeah, unless you're doing, yeah. unless you're doing that small incremental thing with a lot of books, a lot yeah, of books. And, and, I, and I also think that, again, this is an expectation versus reality. Um, there are, there are quite a few indie authors that do make six figures a year, but that didn't happen overnight. First nope. of all, and that they have a lot also, of books. Yeah, they also tend to have a large backlist Mm -hmm. and they also at that point aren't usually doing it on their own. They have at least one or two assistants that are doing a lot like they'll usually have an assistant that is a beta reader. So as soon as they write something, it goes off to, you know, as soon as they finish a book, it goes to that beta room. So they can go ahead and right. start working on that next book because they got it. They're churning out books on a consistent basis. So there's a lot of, I mean, it is a, if you want to make six figures, it's not impossible as an indie author, but there is a, there is kind of a formula to it. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. And it has to be intentional. You have to have, I know it's kind of a, we've said it before a million times, this is a business. Mm -hmm. You have to approach it as a business. I mean, if you want to approach it as a hobby, that's fine. But then you shouldn't have, and you shouldn't really have expectations of financial success at that point. Because if you're not willing to put in the effort, then you're not going to, you're probably not going to get the, you know, the output either. So the other thing, you know, you you know balance that. the other thing we could talk about is how many books you should put out a year, because that's the mm-hmm. other thing of reader mm-hmm. expect, I mean, writer expectation. Um, I was just in a, a, a writer forum on clubhouse and they were talking about how back in um, 2014, 2015, 2016, that the biggest thing out there, was rapid release, rapid release, oh, rapid yes. release, rapid release. I mean, I remember it was when the you, bane of my existence. Oh and when my you goodness! And, 
when you and I started our marketing class together that where we first met, I believe it was, was it like 2018 that we started that or 20, 2019? I think it was 28th, fall of 2018, I think. Yeah. It was still something that was being talked about in that marketing class as a viable thing. But it's funny Mm -hmm. because I'm in this forum with 50 other authors that are on stage talking and then, um, you know, it's like a audio it's not video yeah and uh and and then there are other people they had to be 50 if not more people who were listening in to what we were saying and the trend now is going towards longer books and that we're putting them out you know less like so if you're going to be instead of releasing a book that's 50,000 words every six weeks now they're looking to put out a book that's 80,000 plus every four months so that instead of mm-hmm. putting out, you know, eight, you know, six to eight books a, a, a year, they're only going to be releasing three to four a year because they're longer and they, they, they work the pre-orders as such because reader expectation is that that's what they want. They want the mm-hmm. more detailed, more um, uh, plot driven stories, as opposed to the hobby reads that were hot back in the middle, in the middle teens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, you know, when you say reader X, I mean, writer expectation, I remember I I was like, Oh my God, I have to jump on this, on this hamster wheel myself, you know? And, you know, and then it was like, it it was the fast, um, it was the fast read, short read, funny read, dirty read. That was, that was the hottest thing. If you could, Mm -hmm. if you could tick all those books, then your, your stuff would sell like hotcakes. So of course I changed gears from the longer, more plot-driven, detailed, character depth kind of stories that I was writing into these sh- long novellas that, that ticked all of those boxes that I said, short, fat, you know, short, fast, dirty, funny. And yeah, they sold for a while, but I had um, readers come back to me just recently saying to me, we miss your old books. We miss the mm-hmm. books that, you know, the books that you used to write were so special. Not that we don't like the ones that you put out now, but we liked mm-hmm. the other ones. There was something about them that was more magical. And it's because it took more time and more effort to actually craft them. So it's funny how it's kind of like the, you know, the wheel has come mm-hmm. around again. So, you mm-hmm. know, don't, I, I wouldn't plant your feet on something and, and that would be like the hill you're going to die on because things, things change. You know what I mean? Trends change and readers well, yeah, want certain I, things. And, yeah. You know, I, so- I think that's, I think that's a good, and this is again, you know, obviously in this podcast, we share our opinions. Um, my personal opinion is that you do not follow trends as an author. You should not follow trends. Um, and the reason I say that is because of your author branding. You are creating a branch. Now, if your brand is to write short, uh, quick reads, that's fine. Then build your author brand around that and right. only do that. Right. Don't. You know, don't write long epic tales and intersperse them in between because you're going to make more work for yourself on the marketing end because your your target market, because what you're writing, what the majority of what you're writing is quick, short reads, is going to be people who are looking for quick, short reads. Because there, right. are, there, are reader, there are readers, there's readership that that's what they want. They just want to read something on the train on on the commute to work 
Right. So they don't want to be sitting down, you know, reading something for hours and hours and hours. They just want something that they can get done in maybe an hour commute or two hour commute, whatever it is. Um, he reads. But you need to, again, you need to consider your author branding when you're doing, when you're, when you're considering what you're writing. Um, I know the, the book I'm working on right now, um, I'm not planning on it being as long as my other books. Cause I do plan on them being, uh, being it more of a long novella, short novel, but I'm still guessing that this book is going to be 50 to 60,000 words, which is technically a novel. Yeah. So, 60, 60, 65. Yeah. 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 So, um, you at least know, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I think, to, I think in the, if you Google it, I think 50 is usually the considered cutoff. I think that's short for a novel. Yeah. But 50 is, I think, cons- the, where the actual like technical cutoff is for, for most publishing, um, people but you know i we'll see how it goes because i am a pantser so it is very possible that it will go longer i tend to go into detail with my characters i like to explore things um i don't like to gloss over certain certain issues my readers tend to know my writing style is uh very much about character um like emotion and the emotional journeys my characters go on exposition so yeah so i i again i know that that, that's what my reader expectations are and i know that yeah so i don't want to completely abandon that even if i am looking to maybe do a little bit shorter of a story I don't want to abandon that so if i have to choose if i get into a position where i have to choose shorter novel or keep on brand i'm keeping on brand yeah Plain and, I and, made simple. The, and i made the mistake of of switching because i had an editor at the mm-hmm. time who is no longer my editor um who said you know who said you write books more like they did in the 80s that were very detailed and a lot of a lot of um character development plot twists and you know you know it was very detailed plot Mm -hmm. she says in a lot she goes detail is the word I use when I describe you is that you you know you write everything that's detailed and I'm just like I know but that's the kind of stuff that I like to read and she says yeah she says but the the readers I mean don't want that so maybe you need to alter your 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 writer expectation of the kind of product you're going to put out because this is a product and if you're cre- if you're creating a product that nobody wants to buy then why are you going to continue to make that product you can just tweak it a little bit well tweaking a book that you when you're normally writing anything that that go is between eight you know between 75 and 95k you know or, you know words you know words mm-hmm. um and then all of a sudden you're down at like 35 to 45 that's like cutting your book in half you know, and for the longer, yeah. you know, so I, I'm kind of, I've kind of found a sweet spot. And this is something that I think is going to be the whole tone for what we're talking about is finding your sweet spot in terms of expectation. I found my sweet spot in terms of novels, you know, where I will, I will try to keep, you know, like six, like 65,000 words is long enough for me to have a, um, you know, enough meat to keep the details that I like to put into it more tends to be a little bit more like 70,000 words, but you know, I'll say 
65, but yet it's still a short enough read that my hobby readers will say, yeah, 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 we'll read a couple of extra chapters. It's no big deal. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, in terms of what we put in, in in marketing, you know, how we babysit that marketing, you got to find the sweet spot that works for you. And that's going to take time. You know, you can't just automatically think that it's going to be like, you know, something like a movie where, you know, they, they, mm-hmm. they the main character is an author and then all of a sudden, you know, and they, and they live, you know, in a penthouse in New York City, like that show Castle. You know what I mean? He was like this big time author and so forth. And I'm thinking to myself, he's got how many books did he write in that book? He said like 15 books, you know, unless he hit it, you know, he had a lightning strike like some of the other people we know. I mean, <laughs> Stephanie Meyer, yeah. I think he's only got six books out, you know, but she wrote Twilight. So it's, uh, you know, right. she was very lucky, very, very lucky. Yeah, she was she was very lucky. She she hit it. She hit the market with the right story at the right time and was able to capture the audience, the correct audience that, you know, was drawn to her book and it just took off from there. So yeah, reader expectations, I think need to, when you're going into look at, you do need to, you do kind of need to look at reader expectations, especially when you're talking genre um, and how often they expect, I mean, um, Tina, one of our co-hosts, she, she decided to write in her in sci-fi, you know, sexy romance. sci-fi romance, and she did a lot of research into the genre to yep. find out what reader expectations were, um, so that she could adjust her author expectations Based to the that. reality of the situation. Right. And I think that is a good, a good bit of advice to all those who are listening um or whether you are an aspiring author or you're in the thick of it um you need to look at your genre that you're writing come up with a game plan and look at what readers do expect right. from those books and adjust your expectations to what the reality of whatever that particular situation is. They definitely go hand in hand, reader expectation and author expectation. They definitely go hand in hand. They really, really do. So I think that's a good place to wrap things up. Um, We are going to be taking a bit of a hiatus from the podcast. Yes. Um, We are heading into the end of spring and the beginning of summer. And we are all very, very busy with uh, other projects that are outside of the podcast, yep. plus trying to keep on top of our own writing and publishing journeys. Yep. And it's convention so season. So it is, yes, it is convention season, but we have several authors, several of us are planning vacations and we again, book conferences and uh, we have one that is working on her dissertation uh, yes tina her... will be dr tina by the time yes yes soon, so soon she enough is, she is getting close to to that so she's working on that so there's just a lot going on and we don't want to short change you with um kind of half done episodes uh just to do them so we want to make sure we're giving you quality content so we have decided that we are going to take a little bit of a break um and uh we will be back 
in the fall. Um, until then, there are over 100 episodes in our archive that you can uh, go back and listen to and uh, glean all of the great information from our experiences over the years uh, in publishing. And if you um, if you have any questions about this topic that we talked about or any of our other topics, we do check um, our comments and we're on YouTube as well. Um, so you can, and those, all those episodes will stay up. They're not going anywhere. Um, yep. So feel free to leave a comment. We will still be checking them. Um, again, it's just a lot of work goes into um, making these podcasts and editing the podcasts before they go up. So uh, we all just kind of schedules. We're not kind of looking like they were going to mesh very well uh, through the summer. So we decided that we are going to just take a breather um, and go from there. So um, until we talk with you again, have a great rest of your summer and we will see you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.